Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone by Joanna Connor. It's looking sunny where you are. Is it nice and sunny over there, Joanna? Uh, somewhat, yes, but we are in the middle of a winter storm, with a uh, snowstorm, which is going to stop for a little while. It's coming back, but we're below zero. The weather's really brutal right now. We're having an old-fashioned winter. Right, right. Uh, well, the first mm-hmm. time I went to America in 2014, it was in May, and mm-hmm. uh, I flew into Chicago, and there was still snow on the ground in May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can happen. Yeah. It's, it's discouraging. Yeah, <laughs> love, love it. It could be either snow or it could be extremely hot. You just, that's the way it is around here. You don't even know. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. uh, you're on record as saying that you feel you were destined to play music. Is that true? I, I do. I mean, I, 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 I tell this story because it kind of even freaks me out a little bit that I used to try to sing. Louis Armstrong's Hello Dolly and I and I looked up the year that and it was on the radio and I, I was like oh my goodness I was two years old when that was happening and I remembered vividly so from there forward I mean I always try to sing dance you know play an instrument so it's been in my life forever right and yeah you also on record the saying that one of your favorite tunes as a child was Taj Mahal I mean, yeah I, I absolutely loved Taj Mahal it is yeah. not most people's first choice as a favorite tune in their youth. So what no. was it? What was it that drew you to that? I, you know, I have no clue. His his voice, the music, it just it it just appealed to me, and it just made me really happy. And I remember dancing to it and pretending I was playing guitar and you know singing. And it, I don't know. I mean, it, why it appealed to me so much or brought me so much pleasure, I, I don't know, but it did. All right. So the blues was the blues was there, and and it, it spoke to my heart. And at the young age of ten years old, you got to see uh, Buddy Guy perform. I did, yes, and that was life changing too. I was literally sitting on a floor on the floor in front of him in a college, and you know, I I wasn't even really familiar with him, but you know, can you imagine? He was, you know, he's a pretty young man. I mean, he's still amazing in his 80s. So mm. I saw him in his prime and his band was amazing. And that's something I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. You started performing at 17. What was it that sort of inspired or encouraged you to actually pick up a guitar and perform? I had played saxophone uh, all throughout school and, you know, did performances. I was in the All City Jazz Band. Uh, where I grew up and, you know, did a lot of performances, even traveled a bit with the ensemble. So I, I and, you know, sang in choruses. So I'd been on stages before, but my friend in in the jazz band in high school, she was a drummer and she actually was, she was a year older than me. So she was 17, I was 16 at the time, and she was actually in a band and uh, playing in clubs and everything. And I would go and I was just dying to do that. I'm like, I really, really want to, I really want to be in a band. I want to play, you know, this kind of music and, you know, rock, blues, all that. And and I told her, and she's like, oh, I have some friends that need a singer. And um, yeah, so that was my first band. We started performing in a few months and I was, I was 17. Mm. And they were a little older than me. They were in their 20s. So, you know, I was too young to be there, but they didn't care. So I was singing in bars at 17. <laughs> 
it stated that the desire to play guitar took you to Chicago. What was it about mm-hmm. Chicago that drew you there rather than, say, Memphis or you know Nashville or New Orleans? Well, I had seen all throughout the years growing up, I had seen a ton of Chicago bands on tour um, in Massachusetts and listened to the records and the whole history. And I was like, you know, that that's the place for me. It, it just, the way that the music was played, the history. Um, and then I visited the city and I fell in love. So I was like, I visited it when I was around 19 and I was like, that's it, I have to move here. And I mean, just the amount of blues clubs, the amount of talent, it was mind blowing to me. The festivals, everything, um, the whole city itself. Mm. It was so, so different than New England, you know. So, so I did, and I and then my goal was to become more of a guitar player. I was a rhythm guitar player and played a little slide, but I didn't play lead at all. But I really, I had a hard time figuring all that out. And I was like, I'm gonna go to Chicago, I wanna get in a band and play rhythm for somebody and learn as much as I can. And and that happened, you know. And I mm. actually. The, when I moved to Chicago, I went out like every night of the week watching people, trying to jam. And I started to learn lead guitar really quickly. Like within a few months, I had tried for a few years and it just started to come to me. So well, it was it was a good move for me. I was talking with uh, Elvin Bishop last year. Um, mm. He was saying that when he went to Chicago, a lot of the old school blues artists showed them what to do, stagecraft and what notes to play mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Was that the same for you? Yes, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was a little strange because here I was a young woman and they were like intrigued by it too because there really wasn't any women doing that at that time. So, but yeah, they, they graciously, you know, some were really kind and easygoing, some were tough on me, you know, uh, but it was all good experience and good, good education. Mm. On that first trip to America, one of the true blues clubs that I went to was the Kingston Mines. You have a residency there, don't you? Yes. Uh, it's been a big part of my life. I mean, I've been playing there with my band since 2015. So it would have been, uh, not 2015, 2005. So it would have been 15 years um, this this spring. Uh, last spring. Oh, gosh. I can't, I, with this <laughs> lockdown, I'm still discombobulated. But yeah, I almost, yeah, it was a long time. And, and then in the 80s, I played with... Uh, another band, Dion Payton and the 43rd Street Blues Band. And then I played there with my band um, for a couple of years. So, yeah, so for many, many years. And, and it's one of the – it was one of the reasons I moved to Chicago is I went to the Kingston Mines and I was, like, just blown away. You know, two stages, two amazing bands, open till like, 4 or 5 in the morning. You know, where I grew up, nothing was open past 1. And, mm. uh, yeah, so I was like, this is it. Yeah. Well, it was one of the things when I went there – I was only there for a couple of days, and then I jumped on the mm-hmm. train down to Memphis. And mm-hmm. I so want to come back to Chicago to sample some of those blues clubs, the yeah. proper proper traditional blues clubs. Mm-hmm. Are there still plenty of them about? Well, you know, it remains to be seen who's going to survive uh, this because uh, Kingston Mines hasn't been open since it's been almost a year. Um, Buddy Guys is not open. You know, a, most, a lot of the clubs haven't opened at all. Mm. And uh, Rose, Roses has had live streaming. And I think he's going to make it through, but it remains to be seen what's going to be left, you know, unfortunately. I, it, it pains me to even think about it, you know. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you took time out to uh, raise your daughter. And mm-hmm. When you came back into the music biz, were you excited, uh, nervous? 
how did you feel coming stepping back on stage again? Oh, I never stopped playing. I, I took a, um, I left the road, but I actually played. Or once I started playing here, I played um, four or five nights a week. So I, I never stopped playing. But just I didn't travel anymore. Right. Only, like very, very rarely. Yeah. So I know I. This is the longest break I've ever taken from right. music. It's forced to. So, yeah. Well, but it was different. I mean, you know, I, in a way, it was. You know, I kind of disappeared from the national scene and the international scene for a long time. But I built up a really good following in Chicago. And being, you know, a resident, residency three nights a week at the Kingston Mines, one night a week at the House of Blues, and then other, you know, other gigs at like Legends and whatever. There was a lot of people from all over the world that came through anyway. Mm. So I always felt like, well, instead of me traveling around the world, the world was coming to me. Yeah. But it did, it did, uh, it did hit my career in the sense that people forgot about me, you know, uh, uh, around America because I did, you know, travel on the road from like '89 to 2005. Mm. everywhere so yeah coming on to your latest album and it's been produced by joe bonamassa and he actually sought you out didn't he yeah he uh he really he started to like share a lot of my videos on his sites and got some big reaction i guess and and um i just messaged him like thank you so much this is joanna connor if you ever want to get in touch with me here's my info and he, he immediately um got in touch with me like i think that within an hour right. so and he and he wrote to me um i want to help you and i was like oh boy this is fantastic <laughs> so um yeah and that was like may of 2019 and then and he came in november of that year at the mines he kingston mines he was on the road and had a night off and um that was november and then february of 2020 we, i was in the studio with him in nashville right so that studio that you used, was that his suggestion or is it one that you've used before? That was his suggestion. I mean, really, the whole the whole premise from him was, he's like, listen, I want to control this whole thing. I didn't think, think the word control, but he says, you have, I want you to, can you trust me? Because I have a certain, um, you know, vision for you musically that I want that I want to achieve. And can you trust me to make these decisions? And I was like, sure. I, mean, <laughs> I had no hesitation about it, you know. And um, I, I mean, once again, it was kind of like I always, as a musician, when I'm around people that are with with that have greatness, I look at it as an opportunity, not just career-wise, but musically, to learn mm. and to grow. And I know I knew his capabilities as a musician and a businessman, and 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 then I found out what a great producer he was. So I, I had no no hesitation letting him take control of everything you know he just wanted to bring out the best in me and um you know i was a little nervous about it because you know here is he's like this absolutely incredible player and i didn't know how it would work and how we'd get along but we we really hit it off so it was uh it was a it was a really wonderful experience the album has been described as giving a nod towards the traditional while still remaining contemporary is that mm -hmm. something you were aiming for when you were doing it? You know, it, yeah, I mean, I have never made a real 100% blues album ever. Like, even my first record I ever made had R&B on it, had a little rock on it. I mean, it was blues-based, but it went off in different directions. So this was a mo much more focused record and um, just some real gems uh, of songs that Joe and Josh found that weren't, weren't your typical, you know, uh, cover tunes and blues and 
they have incredible knowledge of the history of the music. So they would they would sit there and say, "How about this song? Let's try this one." And I was just like, "Wow, this is great!" <laughs> and um, just to see their knowledge and and of the history and the repertoire. So yeah, so it was it was Joe's vision for me, and and he he knew that. Like I came up for years. Like the first few years in Chicago, I didn't front my own band, and I backed up everybody. You know, mm-hmm. everybody that was still alive. So I had that. You know. And even moving forward with my, with my band, you know, working behind so many real blues people, I have a lot of experience in it. So he wanted to capture that, you know, and also the energy that I put on stage, he wanted to capture that as well. So will there be a, a volume two? Will you be working with Joe again? I asked him that when we were finished. I was like, man, I had such a good time. I, you know, I'd love to do this again. He goes, I have two. He goes, I have at least two more projects in mind for you. So. You know, he's a man of his word. I mean, not everyone in show business is, and not that they're liars, but sometimes they just can't do what they say they're going to mm. do. So, but I, I have faith that it'll happen. You know, he's he's a real straight shooter. Well, talking of other projects, you do have other things. I was chatting with a, a colleague of yours, Johnny Bergen, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and you yeah. do, you do the Chicago Blues Network. Um, mm-hmm. Could you expand? It's where people can learn online, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Um, it's kind of a cool thing. I, I actually was in in 2019, the summer. I actually was a part of that the live. They call it Chicago Blues Boot Camp. So I did it, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I was going to do it again in 2020, and then you know everything happened the way it did. So um, a guy named Scott Wild took it over, and he was like, "Hey, let's do this online." And we and I had this, and it was his concept, and I was just like, "Sure, I." I'd be happy to do that. So people can subscribe uh, to these lessons from all of us. And then every night of the week, somebody has like a, we call them office hours. So mine, mine's tonight. So whoever wants to can, you know, chat with me live. And sometimes like, you know, I usually give like kind of little pointers and lessons. Um, so yeah, it, it's a cool concept, you know, and they're trying to make it grow. I mean, it's kind of in its infancy. So, you know, but the more people know about it, the, the better. Well, I've noticed over the years interviewing numerous people that a lot of people do give uh, tutorials either at festivals or maybe while they're out on tour and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, they quite often say that's a way of giving back. Is that how you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to teach oh, about 15 years ago when I was just not playing as much, you know, and... um then I stopped because I started to play so much, um, so much performing and being a mom. But I mean, I enjoy teaching because um, I, I love to see the um, progress that people can make and, and the happiness it brings to them, you know, and uh, and enjoy meeting people from different backgrounds. I mean, it's just a very positive thing. Well, on that subject, I, how, is there anybody that you've taught that you've seen go on to bigger and better things? Um, not yet, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's kind of a new thing. I mean, it, it'll be a year I've been teaching, uh, in April myself, you know, mm-hmm. online, uh, uh, through online, but I, I have definitely seen people get much, you know, much better yeah. their skill level pretty quickly, you know, but no, no, nobody yet. I ho- <laughs> hopefully someday. So the album 4801 South End Indiana, that's coming out now. And, uh, like I said, there's possibly other projects with Joe Bonamassa in the pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, with the pandemic, 
it's very hard to make any kind of plans. But what are what are you looking for in the future? Oh, I, you know, I really don't know. I mean, uh, my agent. Um, we're all trying to hang in there. There are some festivals that are happening in some states here. Um, definitely coming over to Europe in 2022 in the UK in particular. That is definitely going to happen. I mean, God willing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I kind of feel like this year there's going to be some things that happen. I think we're going to probably do an online concert uh, with Joe. We're just still working out the details of that because he, even in a pandemic, he's a really busy guy. And um, so I'm kind of just hanging in there this year. I'm going to keep teaching and try to get as many shows as possible. But, you know, I think pretty much everything's on hold till 2022. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. thank you for taking the time out to do this. I'm glad we eventually got to sort it out. Um, Me too. And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you over here next year. I, I can't wait. I'm really looking. You know, a year ago, this year went by fast. Another year will go by fast too. <laughs> <laughs> and if I ever do make it back over to Chicago, I'll be down at the Kingston Mines looking out for you. I pray that happens. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye-bye. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.